And a very good evening to you and welcome to People of Note on Classic 1027 with me, Richard Cock. This program is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8 and we talk to someone who is a person of note and listen to music of their choice. And my guest in tonight's program is Sarah Hallett, who is the director of the Morris Isaacson Center for Music in Soweto. Welcome. Thank you very much. Very nice to have you on the program. And how long have you been at the Morris Isaacson Center for Music? I've only been there a year, actually, although the center's been going since uh, 2011. The building was built in 2009, so there's a history before I arrived. And it's, so it's quite a new building and a new institution. Who does it cater for? We teach music to kids from our surrounding areas. So we're located in um, central western Jabavu in Soweto. And most of our kids are in walking distance of us. Um, and we have um, children from the ages of sort of seven all the way up to 19. And obviously we'll come to this in due course in some more detail, but quickly, if you can do it quickly, how is it funded? So we receive government funding and um, private individuals as well. And coming up soon, we have a fundraising concert where we are asking people to come and listen to the amazing Jai Fen Chen all the way from uh, UK. He's part of a program we run um, called ARCO, which is part of the Birmingham Conservatoire and ourselves. We do a long distance string education program with the kids in Soweto. Um, but yeah, mostly the big ticket items are government and private funders. We have a lot of support from the Jewish community. As you can imagine, Morris Isaacson High School has a long history with the Jewish community. Okay, and we're going to hear about that uh, in a moment. Uh, let's hear your first choice of music, which is Annie Lennox, No More I Love Yous. Music by Annie Lennox, No More I Love Yous. The choice of Sarah Hallett, who's my guest in People of Note. Tell me a little bit about Morris Isaacson, because it seems, was he a counsellor in Johannesburg, or why does he have a school named after him? So he came here, I believe, from Lithuania, um, a member of the Jewish community, and started making money here, and decided that one of the things that was kind of fundamentally missing was an opportunity for young black students to make their way to college or further education as it would have been then. And he originally set up a fund, a kind of money fund for people to apply to that they could use to go to college. And then he realized that actually before that step there was quality education missing before they could go to college. So in 1956 he built a reasonably small school it would have been about 10 give or take classrooms um, on what is now called the Morris Isaacson um, High School and it wasn't then called the Morris Isaacson High School they actually changed his uh, the name on on his death and the thing about the school that's that's kind of a lot of people forget is that it was one of the schools that was heavily involved in the 1976 riots it was the school that people were marching to um, during those riots and obviously um, the Hector Peterson Museum is now placed opposite the main entrance to the school. It's substantially bigger now than it was was then. So it's an important historical part of Soweto. Yes, very much so and and one that one could argue is kind of youth-led. You know, it's it's got a very vibrant kind of community of young people and I think that was one of the reasons why it kind of made sense to put a centre like this 
on the property. And obviously there was space on the property too. Yes. Yeah, which is very important because Soweto is quite tight for space. Yeah, as far as um, facilities go, the school's got a lovely school hall. It's got um, grounds to play soccer on. You know, it's quite a well-facilitated um, school. So it sounds as though it almost started like a private school. Yeah, I suppose one could say that. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine. He must have had some kind of permission from someone back in the day to to make this happen. And, and at some point, uh, from my understanding, he handed it over. Um, so then it would have gone to whatever edu- education yeah. department operated it then. Bantu education, I think it was called. Indeed. In those days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's an interesting place. And originally, if I'm also not mistaken, this center was called the Cape Gate Music Center. But we'll deal with that in a moment because your next choice is Nina Simone. You can have him. The wonderful voice of Nina Simone. You can have him. And we were talking about the Morris Isaacson Center for Music. And we said that uh, this project, the building, was originally paid for by Cape Gate. But it's all part of the Miyagi music program. Music is a great investment. Just tell us about that connection and, you know, how the funding works. Sure. So, um, Mendel Kaplan, who has since passed away, but was the head of Cape Gate, had originally agreed with Morris Isaacson to build a school hall on the on the grounds of the school. And at the same time, um, Robert Brooks from Miyagi, Music is a Great Investment, had um, approached Mendel and said, I think we need a center that is a purpose-built center to teach music to kids of Soweto. Um, the big concern is is twofold. The one is that if kids aren't learning music, then they don't become audience members. And Robert, at the time, has got a youth orchestra, and I think he realized that for a lot of people, they'd never been to the orchestra. They'd never had interaction they with music. They didn't know what it was. They didn't know what it was. They hadn't picked up a musical instrument. They weren't going to be audience members. So Mendel very graciously agreed to come on board and build the center. Um, and Cape Gate and Miyagi are still very much involved in the center to date. Although in the last couple of months, we've decided to to rebrand the center and make it quite specific about what we do. Um, because we used to get a lot of questions about how Cape Gate, Miyagi, who does what, where is it located? So um, it made more sense to kind of, Morris Isaacson, we're on the pr- present, on the ground of the school, yeah. and we're a center for music. So for people who don't know us, it's... It's now clearer what it is. Very obvious. But both parties are still considered founders. They're still involved. Cape Gate is still very helpful. Um, the Kushlik Education Foundation, which is part of their um, CSI program, is still involved. Robert still sits on the board and is very involved. And we partner with Miyagi around a lot of other activities. Um, so yes, it's all still a happy-go-lucky relationship. And active. Very active. Very, very active. We've got 112 children currently learning one of um, 16 musical instruments. And we've got almost 300 kids in our early childhood development program. Which is almost the most important. Indeed. That's our catchment area. (laughs) Well, uh, Dire Straits is your next choice. And uh, Dire Straits is where we all are in music. We all (laughs) need help all the time. This is the Sultans of Swing. Well, you can hear that they were enjoying Dire Straits and Sultans of Swing, uh, the choice of Sarah Hallett, my guest in People Who Note, who is the 
director of the Morris Isaacson Center for Music. So give us an idea. You've got 112 children in your music program, and presumably your early childhood development is part of the plan to ensure that you have continuing people in your program. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but you've obviously got links, I see here, with Birmingham also. Yes. So um, the Birmingham um, program, which we call ARCO, started because there's a f there is a very strings generally are a very difficult instrument to learn and the feeling was from Louis, uh, Louise Lansdowne who is a South African but left sort of in the late 90s to go to the UK that um, the South Africans over there could be doing something to help the South Africans over here do better and learn more and have better um, kind of education facilities so specifically our strings department they have lessons with a human being here in south africa but then on top of that they get lessons from um, students at the conservatoire over skype so it's like a distance learning thing but it's also good for the students who get teaching experience and exactly. and there's a lot of input from that sort of thing a lot of people are learning distance now i was talking uh, recently to an oboe player who has lessons with someone in New Zealand. Yes, I yeah. mean, it's it's incredible. Yeah. And the kids also, you know, for a lot of our kids, and, and we say this about the centre in general, yes, it's about learning musical instruments, but there's also this idea of broadening your horizons and learning from someone who comes from another culture, potentially speaks with a different kind of accent, lives in another country, um, does things quite differently, is a whole other way for children's horizons to be expanded and I think if we're expecting the youth of South Africa to dream bigger we have to show them bigger otherwise it's very hard for them to see what's potentially possible so on top of doing the distance learning thing those uh, students come to South Africa they'll be coming now for a week-long um, session with the kids and then some of our kids get to travel as part of that program which is phenomenal for a lot of these kids their parents have never left um, Soweto, South Africa, oh, think, yeah. Soweto, let alone South Africa and they're jet-setting off to London to go and do a cello or a double bass or something called Do they go up to Birmingham? Yes, they yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, and it's an, an amazing link. Uh, in fact, Louise Lansdowne has been on this program also, so uh, some listeners may remember her. She's a very dynamic uh, viola player mm. who um, teaches a lot by the sound of it. And uh, this... We'll hear in a moment about Jiafeng Chen also, who's coming out here to do a concert. But let's listen to your next piece, which is Willie Nelson, The Most Original Sin. The Willie Nelson song, The Most Original Sin. The, I, I nearly said The Most Original Song. <laughs> the Most that. Original Sin. Sarah Hallett's choice. She's my guest in People of Note. She's the director of the Morris Isaacson Center for Music, and we heard a bit about that. It's interesting that um, after all these years, the Jewish community are still very involved in supporting the work of the Morris Isaacson School. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think the Jewish community does a lot generally in South Africa, but they love education and they're very um, supportive of the arts in a broad kind of a way. Um, and I think that's a testament to having been brought up for a lot of them in attending or purchasing or whatever. Or playing an instrument. Playing yeah. an instrument. So I think that's a testament to a kind of education. So they really understand what access means. Well, and how important music can be in the general education of children. Yeah. I mean, I'm plugging this more and more that 
if young children learn a musical instrument, it actually helps in every aspect of life. Completely. I mean, we often get asked, so our early childhood development program teaches kids from four to six, so they're in creche or pre-primary. And people kind of say, why? Don't you want to do maths and English? We always and get just maths a matter of interest, English. is this part of the Morris Isaacson Center for Music or is it part of the Morris Isaacson School? No, so it's part of the Center for Music. And what we do is we go into the creches. They're too little to, to move them. So we have two teachers who rotate around five different creches and pre-primary schools in the area. And the classes range in size from 20 to 75 kids in a class. And we teach them... The basics. We're in the process of actually turning that into a three-year syllabus, so it can be um, expanded as a program and we can teach more teachers to do it. But often the principals and other people say, well, why not the maths and English story? And we try and get them to understand that music fundamentally can impact English, maths, concentration and focus, counting, you know, being part of a team. Motor coordination. Motor coordination. Eye-hand coordination, all of that stuff. The list is incredible. And it's fun. And it's a lot of fun. So. And I have to say that uh, following the projects that run in Soweto, I mean, there are several music projects running there, it works. Yeah. That's perhaps the most important. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen some incredible products of projects in Soweto. Yeah. I mean, on average, just so people really understand, people who come out of university and have studied music, less than 3% of those people will go on to be full-time practicing musicians. And that's in a good, happy, go-lucky environment where people are paid well to do these things. So it's not only about creating practicing musicians, as much as it is about using mu music as a vehicle to change the country. I mean, that's the really like big picture of it. And, and yes, audience members and and that kind of stuff but and talking of that uh, as you probably well know there was an amazing project in Venezuela who knows what's happened to it now in all the turmoil in Venezuela but that was specifically designed to involve tens of thousands of young people in a music program oh that we could have something like that here indeed I mean in a small way you are doing that and the other projects around South Africa are doing that um, but it's, uh, I think people generally don't realize the value of music in general education. So if I had more money and more instruments, I could easily double our numbers. That's, I mean, I've got a hundred children on our waiting list as we stand. So there's not only the need, but people want to do it. It's yeah, not like we're forcing it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And parents more and more come and tell us, especially as the kids start to go from primary school into high school, that they see a real change in how their child approaches their schoolwork because they have a discipline and a focus that their peers have not been taught. Because it it's a practice. It's about, you know, practicing these things. Yeah, and playing a string instrument needs a lot of discipline. Yeah. Well, playing any instrument needs a lot of discipline. Absolutely. And, you know, there's also a self-motivational thing. When you see a child understanding that practice is something they control that can make them better, it's eye-opening to them, and it's such a wonderful thing to see. They realize they're in charge of their own destiny in some way. Yep, which so many kids are not these days. They're in charge of cell phones. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> now, your next choice is the Mzansi Youth Choir singing Homeless. Yeah, I've got a very special relationship with this whole um, album, actually. When I was very little... We were still in a state of, um, gosh, we went through a state of emergency. We had a cultural boycott. And Paul Simon 
very controversially decided to break the cultural boycott and partner up to to do uh, this album and came to South Africa, in fact. And I remember there being huge protests outside the Ellis Park Stadium. And I think in so many ways, South Africa, like the Birmingham Project for me is one small thing, but in so many ways we are still very isolated um, from the rest of the world, but also from the rest of the continent. And um, although it's been, whatever, 25 odd years since this album came out, I think it's an interesting reflection. And one of the things we're trying to work on a little bit at the centre is bringing um, visiting artists, visiting musicians, to come and show our children what other musical instruments sound like from other parts of Africa, what um, kind of traditional music they play, what kind of popular music they play. Um, because I think sometimes South Africa, we, we like to think of ourselves as being the best of the continent as opposed to part of the continent and have the continent having stuff to offer us. Um, so I th that would be something we would love to kind of do some more of. But I think we're fast learning that other places are overtaking us now, fast. So here it comes. Homeless, this is the Mzansi Youth Choir under Ralph Schmidt, the song by Joseph Chabalala and Paul Simon. Homeless, in a version there done by the Mzansi Youth Choir under Ralph Schmidt, the original song, of course, by Joseph Chabalala, and then joined together with Paul Simon. It was an amazing combination of performers and sort of iconic, I think. I hate that word, but in its time, it was iconic. And it made a difference, yeah. which is, I think, what you guys are doing at the your music center. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as we talk about music as an educational tool and all of that stuff, one of the things that it really has the ability to do, and I think Miyagi's Youth Orchestra shows this very well, as did Paul Simon and, and Joseph's, you know, combination, that there can, there can be a social cohesion that's driven through music because it's another kind of language. So you can get people coming from completely different backgrounds and meeting up around something can be political. It doesn't have to be political. Um, and that really can open people's eyes. You know, sometimes we get so obsessed with the you're this and I'm that. And the music can be a really amazing bridge between yeah. those things. In fact, I have to do a, a talk, uh, let the music speak to everybody, because music does speak in different ways, but it does speak to everybody. And different musics can speak in different ways to people, too. Of course. I mean, there's obviously, yeah. like, there's still personal choice, yeah. you know, like all that jazz. But I think, yeah, social cohesion, it's so, so cheesy, and government loves the phrase, so it's, it's always one of those. Nation building and social cohesion. <laughs> Sometimes I really get irritated <laughs> no, but with, but, but, but it does so do important. it. Yeah. yeah, it really has that ability, and I think um, I, I really wish that we would stop treating it as, like, a separate thing and really involve it in our lives 100%. Well, another group that's uh, sort of crossed the divide, if you like, is Mango Groove. Oh, and that's Mango your next Groove. choice. Just talk to us about Home Talk. I didn't, you know, when it came out, I didn't really understand maybe the politicals. I must have been like, gosh, 10 or 12 when it came out. <laughs> I just remember the video being amazing. And of course, it hadn't even dawned on me that there were black and white people sharing the screen and sharing the music all at the same time. You know, I didn't really get that. But it was one of those things that was like the Paul Simon thing in a way. It w really spoke to me because it was uniquely South African. It was like a totally different thing from anything I'd kind of heard on the radio that was American or British. And I remember being very uh, proud of that for whatever it was back in the day. <laughs> and here it comes, Home Talk.
very typically South African sound from Mango Groove and Home Talk. The choice of Sarah Hallett, who's my guest in People of Note. She's the director of the Morris Isaacson Center for Music in Soweto. And of course, Soweto and Sapphiretown, I suppose, since a lot of Sapphiretown people were moved into Soweto, have produced an amazing number of musicians over the years and and still are. I mean, uh, amazing musicians are coming out of Soweto. Well, you know, the thing about Soweto firstly is that it's absolutely ginormous. It could be its whole own city. Um, And I think, you know, there, there has been a tradition of music in people's culture, whether it's singing, like a lot of our parents, they may not play a musical instrument, but they sing in the church choir and they get the value of it, you know, music from there. Um, and I think if a lot of them had been given an opportunity to learn an instrument, they would have taken it up. And then, of course, you have, you know, the quilla music. You have the very specific kind of things that came out of the 1950s and 60s um, that are still part of our music evolution, as it were, in some of the genres that are coming out now. Including the African jazz pioneers. So when I was very little, my father used to um, sit on the board of a place called Doke House. And Doke House was um, kind of came out of the original musical King Kong. So a lot of those artists had needed a place to play. And I remember being very little and seeing Hot Sticks and Miriam McKeba playing in these kind of funny little concerts in town in this tiny little room with little cafe tables and a piano squashed in one corner. And I remember very clearly once being there with my mum and my dad and, and there Maria Makeba was in this unbelievable yellow ball gown. And suddenly the police arrived. And just behind the stage there was a um, kind of sink and dishwashing up area. And she ducked into the back in this ball gown and started doing the dishes so that, in theory, the police couldn't arrest her. And at the time, I was kind of like, what's going on? And because we were white, they left us alone. Um, But it was a fantastic place. And actually, the African jazz pioneers came out of there, although they split. They ended up being two groups. Um, But I always fondly remember this album on the song with my dad in mind. The African jazz Pioneers playing a piece called Front Page. The choice of Sarah Hallett, my guest in People of Note this evening. We're just coming up to uh, seven o'clock, and in the second hour, we're going to talk about uh, an internationally recognized and award winning violinist who's coming here. He's just coming for one concert. His name is Jiafeng Chen, and he'll be doing a concert uh, soon, on the 20th of March, in fact at 8 p.m. at the Linda Auditorium, but we'll talk about that in part two. We've got time for one more piece now by Patty Hines. Tell us about Patty Hines. Oh, God, she's Nothing to tell. Ultimate <laughs> rock star. <laughs> this is uh, I'll Stand By You. Patty Hines, I'll Stand By You. You're listening to People of Note on Classic 1027. I'm Richard Koch. It's just coming up to 7 o'clock, and we're going to take a short break after this. But this program is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8, and it's always a fascinating talk with someone who is contributing in some way to make society in South Africa better. That was applause for the Busgate Soweto String Ensemble playing the first movement of Eine Kleine Nachtmusik by Mozart, Rosemary Nalden directing. And it's the choice of Sarah Hallett, who's my guest in People of Note. She's the director 
of the Center for Music, the Morris Isaacson Center for Music. And it's appropriate that you've taken some Mozart because we're now going to talk about a serious recital that's coming up on the 20th of March. Just tell us what it is. Um, as part of our collaboration with the Birmingham Conservatoire through what we call our ARCO program, um, Jai Feng Chen, who's an award-winning, internationally recognized uh, violinist, is going to be performing a recital at the Lind Auditorium, um, as you said, on the 20th of March at 8 p.m. Um, he's actually coming out to work with our children, and um, he's just such an incredible performer, and so kind of amazingly takes up the space by himself that we decided to just do him accompanied by a pianist for a recital. He's very kindly offered to do this for us as a fundraiser. So all the funds raised from this concert will be going towards the center and to music education directly. And it's one night only because he's here for a super short period of time. It's literally the only day he has available for us. Um, so please go to web tickets, get your tickets now. It's Wednesday evening. Yes. The 20th of March at 8 p.m. at the Linda Auditorium. Web tickets is where you get your tickets. And I'll just tell you what's on the program. Brahms, there's a Brahms sonata, Beethoven sonata, and some music by Eric Korngold. So that's this coming Wednesday at 8 p.m. Linda Auditorium. And you can get your tickets at web tickets. And I just want to pick up on the fact that uh, he is Chinese. And it's amazing how people... Well, I presume he's Chinese. Is yes. he or is he Korean? No, he's Chinese. Chinese. Yeah. And it's amazing how the Chinese, Koreans, Japanese, people from Singapore and Hong Kong have taken to Western music. Mm. And I'm sure it's got something to do with discipline also. Mm. I think those cultures, I mean, they've done studies around, um, you know, kind of successful children. And in those cultures, they start them super young at school, we'd all be horrified. They're walking to the shop at like four with their money to go do the grocery shopping. Um, and they start them really early on playing musical instruments. So by the time they're sort of 20, they are unbelievable world-class performers, because especially strings. I mean, you know, that's the thing. You could play for 19 years and still maybe not quite crack it. Um, it's a very difficult And instrument. he looks barely 12 on the... <laughs> I don't know how old he is, but... I'm actually not 100% sure, but, but he does look very young. He does um, a number of teaching things as well, and our kids are super excited to have him when he's here next week because he'll do an intensive workshop with them. Um, it's very one-on-one, -on -one and they're super lucky to, to have that. And some more Mozart coming up now. This is the famous Papagena Papageno duet from the Magic Flute, Cecilia Bartoli and Bryn Tervo. <laughs> so... I grew up in a household that was uh, a somewhat contradictory. That's semi-hippie parents. I was named after Bob Dylan's wife, Sarah. Um, so I had Bob Dylan and Van Morrison and whatnot on the one side. And then on the other, I had Mozart. My mother's view of the world is that there's Mozart, Mozart, or Mozart. And uh, as a child, I wasn't a big fan of Mozart. And what better way to get a kid into Mozart than this particular um, piece of music? And at the time on TV, you could watch it. I can't remember who it was, but somebody had put it on and filmed it and you could watch it. And of course, two parrots singing to each other. I mean, how to win a child over but that? <laughs> I was done and dusted. <laughs> Did you play a musical instrument yourself? Oh, gosh, I was a bit hopeless. Um, I have done piano and guitar in my life and sung. I'm much more comfortable singing in the shower. Um, 
So unfortunately not. I mean, I can kind of do something, but nowhere near anything I'd perform. But you obviously have an interest. Yes, I have an interest. Which is why you're doing what you're doing. I have an interest in it. And I have a creative sympathy. So I studied theatre, actually. That's my first degrees in theatre. So I very much understand how difficult it is to be a creative practitioner in all shapes and forms. Um, And I especially worry about our future as an aging creative practitioner, what that means if we have no people coming to the theatre or going to the concerts. Well, uh, uh, not only that, but I mean, the funding for for theatre, uh, in spite of what the president said in his most recent <laughs> budget speech, uh, the funding is drying up. Yeah. And that's pretty serious. And I think that the fact that you are finding funding for your uh, Centre for Music is pretty important because I think more and more we're going to rely on private funding for yeah. institutions like this. Well, for, and for music and the arts in general. I think also what people need to know is that sometimes when they think about donating to things, they get panicked as if you're asking them for hundreds of millions of rands. With something quite small, it can go a long way. You know, so coming to the concert, come and do something you love, listen to something you love, watch an amazing guy, and contribute. Well, and you don't have to go to the concert. You can just contribute if you want to. Even better. <laughs> I'll email your banking detail. <laughs> well, kidding. maybe you should you should give them. Uh, just tell us, is there a website? Yes, there is. So it's micm.org.za. And in fact, all the new branding is coming up in the next week. So we're very excited about that. But there is a website and a Facebook page with a MI Center for Music. There you go. MICM.org.za or MI Center for Music is the Facebook page. Yes. MICM.org.za or MI Center for Music. And you can find all the information there. And if people want to contribute, it doesn't have to be cash, it could be instruments. Could be instruments, it could be we're in the process of trying to put in a better sound system into our hall, it could be transport, it could be anything. There's a long list of stuff that we could put towards the center. And I, really, it is about, it's not about me, it's about the children. I mean, if you see what they, how sparkly-eyed they get when they do something, it's phenomenal. Well, here comes the music by George Frederick Handel. Now, this is the hornpipe from the Water Music Suite. The wonderful hornpipe from the Water Music Suite, number two, by George Frederick Handel, played by a French group there, Le Chambre du Roi under Jean-Claude Malgoire. All sounds so beautiful in French. <laughs> I always like saying French names because they sound so glorious. <laughs> uh, and that's the choice of Sarah Hallett, who's my guest in People of Note. And she runs the Morris Isaacson Center for Music in Soweto. And I gave you the details there of how you can get in touch with them. But just to uh, come back to Jiafeng Chen, this is quite a, a big program he's playing. Yes. Uh, he's obviously a serious muso. Yes, he is. I mean, he's performed all around the world. Practically pick a violin award, he's won it. And teaches, like I said. And obviously he's connected to Birmingham. He, does yes. he teach at Birmingham? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He also has his own summer program, which I believe he runs in London and the UK, I think in alternating years. Um, but yeah, and I've only ever chatted to him on email, but a sterlingly lovely um, guy. <laughs> Well, there we are. That's this coming Wednesday, 20th of March, 8 p.m. at the Linda Auditorium. Tickets are 380 rand, and all of that is going to the Morris Isaacson Center for Music. 
and I hope you've got lots of supporters already coming who support you, because obviously you've got a whole lot of people who already support you. Yeah, I mean, we've got a database of people, um, and we're definitely trying in every way possible to try and widen that, because as you said, you know, it's prudent, knowing what's going on in the economy, to have more rather than less uh, people who know about us. But we really kind of sell ourselves on what we do, not on what we want from people. So, I mean, the proof is in the pudding for and us. since you've got a hall at the school as well, do you do concerts there? Yes, we do. So, tell us about those. So, we have, uh, last year we ran a whole series called the Soweto Jazz Explosion, which was obviously more around popular music. And we brought in um, various bands, both local and international. So, if they were in South Africa at the time. Um, and we partnered... Um, with one of the guys who used to work at, oh my gosh, the jazz club that was in Bramfontein. That's the now Orbit. The Orbit, yes. Um, so we've had all kinds of people come. And then what they do is they also work with musicians. So we'll get them to perform to the public and then maybe do a masterclass on something for our musicians, trying to really exploit as much as possible their time um, at the center. Um, our aim is to both get people to come to Soweto, but also to generate more interest in um general public going to music related events so often we would do them for free or for very little um, because one of the challenges in places like Soweto is space well equipped space that's ready to rumble so and that's what you've got at the school yes Ralph Schmidt is coming up again with the Rodine choir this time this is the flower duet from Lakme but arranged by Ralph Schmidt that was the flower duet from Lakme by Leo Delieb, arranged by Ralph Schmidt, and that featured Joan Hofmeyer, Alexa Clark, and Marius Brink on clarinet. And Ralph has done an amazing job with that choir. Also, the I don't know if you know them. I've the seen them perform, yes, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, they're quite amazing. He's now he's left them now, and he's with another group called Ndlovu, but they also do amazing work, and he's taken them on tour all over the world. It's incredible. It's, it is amazing. And the, the natural abilities and talents are what shines through mm. with discipline, because mm. Ralph is very strong on choral discipline. And, um, you know, singing in a choir is easy because everyone has an instrument uh, free. Mm, totally. Yeah. As long as you use it well, you will have it for life. Yeah. Unlike many other instruments. And if you look after it, uh, you know, I've got people singing in my choir who are 80. Yeah. And they still sing well. It's amazing. I think that's a unique thing about the voice. In yeah. fact, I remember once um, after Whitney Houston kind of came back from one of her drug riddled whatever and released a new song, I remember th hearing it on the radio and not recognizing her voice because she'd done such terrible damage to it yeah. that it didn't sound like her yeah. anymore. No, but it is amazing. And, and singing is such a big thing in South Africa. And yeah, definitely in South Africa. I mean, yeah. we're, we're a big country of choirs. And I think there's a, you know, for, so we have a junior choir and a senior choir, only because with 112 kids, it becomes a lot to control them all. So they play instruments, but they also sing. They play instruments, they be, um, get theory lessons, ensemble lessons and choir. The basis being that, you know, they need to be able to listen to themselves and then listen to themselves on the instrument. So, And actually, singing is the basis of it all, I have to tell you. So <laughs> our early childhood development program, we don't give them instruments. It's all about singing because, like you said, it's free. Yeah. They're little, so carting around instruments is a nightmare, and it teaches them so much. It teaches you about breathing, about standing, about all sorts of things. 
And singing, oh, well, William Byrd said, for singing is so good a thing, I wish all men would learn to sing, he said. And it's absolutely <laughs> true because it's simple. It can be at whatever level you want. It doesn't involve very difficult motor coordination because you've all got a voice yeah. and it's just wonderful. And here is one of our great pieces by Mozart, the Lacrimosa from the Requiem Mass, the piece that he actually died while he was composing. He wrote 12 bars and that was the end for him. That was the Chamber Orchestra of Europe and choir under Nigel Short singing the Lacrimosa from the Requiem Mass by Mozart. And we were just talking about choirs and the fact that anyone can sing. And it always hurts me when people say that, you know, their teachers at school told them not to sing because mm -hmm. that is such a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Everyone can sing and everyone should sing. Mm. I think in general, when teachers do that on any subject, you know, you're not good at maths or don't please don't write, become a writer or something. It's a terrible thing for teachers to do. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, if you're listening to this and you're a teacher, <laughs> please just encourage people to do things, not not to do things. <laughs> My mother's a teacher and she, yeah. would, she would say that's difficult for some children. <laughs> <laughs> you want to encourage them to shut up. So, you have your early childhood thing. You've yes. got choirs, uh, orchestra. You've got... We're in the process of setting up the orchestra. So, half of the challenge is the time it takes for children to learn how to play the instrument before you can really start to put them together in a cohesive bunch that doesn't um, that starts to sound like something. So Chris Bishop, who's our director of music, is about to tackle that task. That's the one of the missions for this year. We have a series of ensembles, so it's about rearranging music for whatever the program is going to be, but also with children at different skill sets. So we've got some strings, for example, who've been doing six years worth of, of uh, practice, and some children on trumpet, for example, who are brand new. So it's about trying to even that out from a skills perspective. But yeah, 2019 is about the orchestra. Good. And uh, I guess if you've got strings who are more or less on a level, they could play together. And very often uh, pieces by Vivaldi were written for young people uh, because he taught young girls in Venice. And so we're going to hear something from the Four Seasons now. One of the movements from Vivaldi's Four Seasons, Spring, with Yehudi Menuhin, who also has a connection with Soweto, actually. Yes, uh, he does. And a very powerful connection. Yeah, I mean, I think um, what's really interesting about Soweto as a whole is that, like you said, there are a number of programs that have started up like this, especially in the string space, interestingly. Um, and there are a number of people who have strong connections to the place. I remember some years ago going to a function where he donated a whole lot of stringed instruments. Yes. I wonder what happened to all these instruments. They're somewhere around. You know, I, my mom actually did ask me to find that out, and I have yet to actually yeah. locate them. I'm sure they're around. I mean, yeah, because in where. fact, I've got a picture on the wall of my office with me standing next to him because he's tiny. Oh, really? And I, you know, I'm six foot four, so there's me, and somewhere <laughs> way down there is Yehudi Menu. And it, it was at that function, actually, that he handed over all these instruments. So somewhere, somewhere. there are lots of instruments, as there are sometimes at home dear listeners so if you've got instruments at home that you're not using anymore please just hunt them out and you could contact classic 1027 and bring them here and we can certainly send them to the right place and the morris isaacson center for music would be one of those places where we could send them so please do hunt around because sometimes your kids learned instruments and then stopped 
and the instruments just sit in a cupboard somewhere. We can put them to good use. So please hunt them down. And the next choice of Sarah Hallett and her final choice, in fact, well, second last choice, is Joni Mitchell, Both Sides Now. Joni Mitchell, Both Sides Now. And we've got one choice to go, Sarah, so just let's say once again that on Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, the 20th of March, at 8 p.m. at the Linda Auditorium, you can hear an amazing violinist, Jiafeng Chen, and he's playing Brahms, Beethoven, and Korngold, uh, along with the pianist. He's coming from the Royal, Conservato uh, Royal Birmingham Conservatoire, and it's a link called Arco, Bridging the Divide Between Birmingham and the Morris Isaacson Center for Music in Soweto, which is run. Sarah Hallett is the director of it, director and fundraiser, and I should think everything. <laughs> General dog's body. That's what we what yes. we end up doing. No, that is that is how it rolls. That's yeah. how it rolls. I mean, I put out chairs for concerts and I pack away the stands afterwards. <laughs> Completely. Uh, but I mean, that's half the fun of it. That is. That's half and, the fun. And I guess you have done other things. Yes. 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 I mean, before I was here, I ran a, a visual arts NGO called The Bag Factory. And before that, I was in the corporate world doing large-scale corporate events. But you're having fun now. I am having fun. And, I, you know, um, they talk about this with millennials a lot, but this idea that work needs to have some kind of other meaning. It's not just a paycheck. And, and for me, seeing the kids do things together and getting excited about music is... Is a big reward. It's amazing. Yeah. And I guess uh, deep down we're probably all teachers, you see. Yeah. So I think it does. It means a lot when, when these things happen and come together and you can see progress. Yes. That's the best part. Yeah, I mean, I think we're very, you know, a lot of people think about people in the humanities as being kind of airy-fairy and not together. And the irony of it is that we probably are some of the most together people because we don't have the resources. Um, you have to be on top of your game. And we have to be pretty organized. Yeah. Yeah. It's because we've had this background, you see, of music or theater or whatever it is, and you have to be very, very disciplined. So yeah. there we are. The final choice is Beethoven. Awakening of Cheerful Feelings on Arrival in the Countryside. That was the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra under Simon Rattle, playing the first movement of the Beethoven Symphony No. 6, the final choice of Sarah Hallett, my guest in People of Note. That's the program you've been listening to on Classic 1027. Don't forget the recital is coming Wednesday at the Linda Auditorium. And don't forget to hunt out any instruments you may have. You can contact us here at Classic 1027 if you do have any or deliver them here and we'll pass them on to the right people. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for this lovely opportunity. It's been a great pleasure and good luck for all your activities. Thank you. <laughs> and thanks to Pitt for helping us put it all together. Until next time, from me, Richard Cock, and all of us here at Classic 1027, we wish you a very good evening.